Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and then... Most of all, there's Jerry over there, Jerome, the Jester. Most of all? Yeah, and this is stuff you should know. That's right. Jerry's all dirty from shoveling coal from the Steam Technology episode. Uh, She is, and if you don't mind, I would like to point out something very exciting. No, I do mind. Let's keep going. (laughs) Really? No. This is the uh, very first episode out of 870 plus episodes where Josh is wearing short pants. Why would you say that? I do mind. I do mind. I take it back. <laughs> because I've seen you wear shorts like twice in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, aside- hold on, hold on. Get a load of this. Well, aside from every morning when we tumble out of our bunk beds, of course, <laughs> right. when you're wearing your, your cut-off are- tuxedo pants. Those are boxers. <laughs> but yeah, you never wear shorts as a rule, so I was astounded that you wore them into the office. Well, I like astounding you. Yeah. I like to just, you know... Mix things up once every eight years. I look forward to what's going to happen in, in year 16, 2032. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's some quick math, Chuck. Hey, I used to play darts. Oh, you know, there's a dartboard here, but no backboard. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's just like freewheeling, who cares about the drywall kind of situation here. Pretty much. Crazy. 16 is a big number in darts, so you get used to adding and subtracting it. Hmm. Is it? What's a bullseye worth? A million? Well, I mean, it, it depends. There's historically two games that you'll play in darts, either okay. cricket right. or 01, 301 or 501. I've never heard that second one. Uh, well, that's really the main game. Like if you watch professional darts mm-hmm. when they show it once a year on ESPN, which is great fun, by the way. Sure. Uh, they're playing 01, which is where you start with 301 or 501 and you work your way down to zero. Oh, so you're getting rid of points. Yeah, so you're throwing just for as high numbers as you can, the triple mm-hmm. ring. Okay. And um, like a ton 80 is the most you can hit. That's three triple 20s in so one throw, which is amazing. So oh, what's the what's the bullseye worth then? The bullseye in 01 is worth uh, 50 on the red and 25 on the oh, green. Okay. And then you have to, boy, we should do a show on this. Well, yeah, I guess we are right now. And then you have to go out on a, uh, like, let's say you have 32 left. Uh-huh. You have to go out on a double. So you have to hit a double 16 to go out. Man, that sounds tough. And everybody does this drunk. Yeah. That's really impressive. <laughs> right? I didn't know you played darts that much. Yeah, I played in Athens in a league and then Atlanta in a league. And, you know, Justin is, he's like, Chairman or something of the Dart League in Atlanta, of course. <laughs> At least he makes everybody call him that, right? <laughs> yeah. Call me chairman. We should do one of darts, man. I, I used to love playing. I just uh, okay. don't do it much anymore. Okay, let's do it. So shorts, darts, and now, Customs. We, and now we podcast. <laughs> yeah. And on Wednesdays, we wear pink. Uh, today's Tuesday, though. So I'm wearing shorts. I'm wondering how many things I got wrong just in that little five minute. Thing <laughs> I on was darts. wondering the same thing. <laughs> Anytime we explain something, we get something wrong. Yeah. Have you noticed? Sure. And our job is to explain things, which is sad. I know. So Chuckers, you know how when you go through the airport? Yes. And you come back into the country from out of the country when we were in the UK? Mm-hmm. Did you notice it took longer than usual to get through the airport to your stuff and out? 
Yes, although Emily and I got pretty lucky. Um, it was a pretty speedy experience. Oh, was it? Yeah. That's great. But it can vary wildly. Yeah, and the thing that can vary wildly is called customs. Yeah. Passing through customs. And That's actually, right. it used to be um, customs and immigration, uh-huh. which depending on the port you were flying into, whether it be a seaport, an airport, spaceport, yeah. interdimensional port. Heliport. Heliport. Um, scuba port. Sure. Submarine port. Yep. Thin airport. Ooh. I guess that's the same as an airport. Huh. Um, it, those might have been two different agencies, customs and immigration. Right. Not so in, in 2003. As of 2003, in the United States, they were mixed together and put under Department of Homeland Security, and now they're called Customs and Border Protection. That's right. And there are, there are one agency now. Yes. But the point is, is when you come through there, if you encountered back in the day the customs agency, they would have said, hey, you're a person. We don't care about you. We don't care where you've been. We don't care where you're going. We don't care where you were born. But we want to know what's on you. Right. What would you buy while you were out of the country? Did you buy something? Tell us. And they might grab your shirt and shake you a little bit if <laughs> right. they're tough guys. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, you'd start crying for sure. They, they'd see to it. Yeah. And then uh, if you say, well, I got this $1,000 watch, they say, you owe the United States government some money, buddy. That's right. It is a it is a way to regulate importing and exporting. Yeah. And when- Trade. Right. Trade. Exactly. And, and trade is uh, obviously a very old concept, right? Yeah. Any time one group had a surplus that another group wanted- I got lots of potatoes. Well, I got lots of wheat. Right. Let's trade. Let's trade, right? Well, at some point, people said, wait, wait, this is going way too smoothly. We need to interject a federal entity to um, extract some sort of uh, tribute from this trade. Sure. That's what a duty is. That's what a tariff is. It's yeah. a government coming in and saying, uh, we want a piece of that action. Yeah. And depending on how you look at it, it can go one way. Like you can say, well, f- the the federal government is is actually promoting domestic business. Which is true in a way, right? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's a good way to discourage doing business overseas is by imposing heavier and heavier tariffs. Yeah, because on imports. if somebody's manufacturing potatoes overseas cheaper than they're manufactured here, yeah, um, the American people are going to say, "Well, we want these Irish potatoes. They're sure. way cheaper." Yeah, um, and, and tastes better too. Sure. And the U.S. government will say, well, we want you guys buying domestic potatoes because it helps our economy. Yeah. Have you ever been to Idaho? Right. Everybody loves Idaho. Why don't you want to help out the Idahoans? Yeah. And so they'll they'll place a tariff or a duty or just basically an extra tax on potatoes that are sourced from outside of the country coming in so that they cost about the same. So that any red-blooded American will say, well, it's about the same to buy an Idaho potato as it is to buy an Irish potato. I'm going to buy the Idaho potato. And the federal government goes, yeah. Yeah, they say, look at it. It's, it's stamped with a pesticide that says made in the USA. Yeah. <laughs> they stamp it with the pesticide. <laughs> I was thinking of how that would work. Uh, should we talk a little bit about the history of this? Yeah, because this is actually... This this uh, technique of the U.S. federal government, certainly not just the U.S. that does this, but there's customs agencies in just about any developed country around the world, and I would say developing as well. Yeah. Um. The this 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 custom of customs uh-huh. is thank you is about as old as the United States itself. Yeah, and like everything in the United States, it starts with Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> it's true. That guy is so <laughs> hot right now. He's so hot. Uh. I just bought some Alexander Hamilton Futures the other day, so I'm sitting pretty. You just broke my brain. <laughs> uh, so what happened was um, <laughs> Hamilton said, here's the deal, dudes. Yeah, right. We don't have taxation yet because we were fleeing that kind of junk. Right. But we're in trouble because we need some sort of revenue going to support our growing government. Well, not only that. And our growing nation's infrastructure. Plus, we have a lot of debts from the Revolutionary War. Loads of debts. Apparently, the early Congress used to decamp from one city to another because they were being chased by war veterans who were owed money. Oh, I'm sure. They had nowhere to go. They had no Washington, D.C. yet. No, but, I mean, they were, it was Congress, and they were on the run from Revolutionary War vets who wanted their money. So, while Hamilton did not himself start the U.S. Customs Service, uh, the way 
Uh, where did you find this? The was National it? U.S. Customs Museum Foundation. Yeah, straight from the horse's mouth. Sure. They 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 counted him as the intellectual father. Yeah. Of customs, which I think is a great way to put it. Because he said, "Look, we can't have a federal government." Unless the federal government can support itself. And the only way the federal government can support itself is if it imposes um, levies on things that it really has nothing to do with. Yeah. So uh, President George Washington, the number one guy, yeah. said, Man, Hamilton, okay. you're on to something here. Uh, I like the cut of your jib, Hamilton. But it's a little weird with domestic taxation right now. Like, Yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, people aren't keen on that just yet. Right. Uh, like, we'll screw people Far worse in the future, don't you worry. Yeah, just wait. <laughs> but right now, people aren't hip to the idea. Yeah, we tried to tax corn and the Whiskey Rebellion happened. So, so um, why don't we do this? Why don't we impose tariffs on imports and raise money that way? And let's create uh, the first Congress. Let's get together and create the U.S. Customs Service four months after we ratify the Constitution. Yeah, pretty it was quick. Really quick, and it quickly grew to be for many, many, many years – in fact, for most of the history of the United States, mm-hmm. the single largest government agency in terms of uh, size and revenue. Yeah, for the first 122 years of its existence, it was the number one revenue generator. And then the IRS came along and they said, <laughs> "They said you can take a you seat can, uh, collect revenue." Yeah, just watch this. Yeah, and they did. In 2015, um, the customs agency uh, collected, I think, 35 billion dollars. Crazy. Yeah, the IRS. Collected three point three trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My God, I know. <laughs> My stomach turns at the thought. Yeah. Uh, wow, that really threw me. I didn't expect. I know that's that. enough to make you a libertarian, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So I mentioned Washington D.C. When earlier, like oh, we yeah. don't even have a wa- right, right. Yeah. Money from tariffs built Washington D.C. Money from tariffs. Oh yeah. Built the transatlantic uh, transcontinental railroad. Right. Built all those lighthouses that we talked about. The Louisiana Purchase. Yeah. The Purchase of Alaska, yeah. a.k.a. Seward's Folly. 1.5 million square miles of land purchased. Right. Using tariffs via the customs office. Right. If it hadn't have been for the customs agency, um, the United States would have only been able to expand its territory through broken treaties. Yep. The, the, Which we were fine doing. Sure. But apparently <laughs> they wanted to legitimize it somewhat. Yeah. So... Um, we said, well, we'll just pay for some of it. Yeah. Pay Napoleon. Pennies on the dollar. <laughs> Give us that area, okay? Uh, like we said, they were the first and only federal uh, law enforcement agency. And for a long time, they handled kind of everything. Oh, yeah. Um, like they were they were doing way many more things than they should be doing. Uh, so out of the custom service... Uh, was born things like immigration, like you said. Sure. Uh, Coast Guard, Border Patrol. Yeah. The VA. Yeah. Public Health Service and the DEA all were formerly, all that stuff was under the purview of the Customs Service. And the Census Bureau and the Standards and Measures Agency. Yeah. All those cats. Because apparently it used to be Congress would say, oh, we need this. We need to start doing this. Just have Customs do it. And Customs would do it for decades and then finally be like, dude, you got to just we have to calve this off as its own agency. Yeah, eventually they they got smart. Yeah, and now that's that's what makes um what happened in 2003 so curious. Uh customs itself got folded in with other agencies and then put under the banner of an, another larger agency. Yeah. The exact opposite of what has historically been the case. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Uh so the customs agency and services a long tradition in its early years of um what was called the spoil system. Uh, and that's basically cronyism, uh, political loyalties and, <laughs> and hooking your buddies up and your donors up. But like fat cat jobs. Not in any kind of underhanded or shady or back, backroom deal way, like yeah. overtly. Yes. Like you raised a lot of political funds for my campaign. So here's a cherry position in the federal government's bureaucracy. Yeah. Via the custom service. Yeah. And there have been some famous uh, men over the years. Yes, uh, some of our best writers, actually. Yeah, weirdly, um, Nathaniel Hawthorne. He was um, a, a, a distant, well, not too distant. He was an ancestor of the Pilgrims. Uh, a descendant. A descendant, right? They were his ancestors. Right. I had it backwards. Uh, and he's the great grandson of the judge who uh, sat at the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. So he got a fat position with the Boston Custom House. 
as the weigher and gauger. <laughs> yeah, which apparently was pretty important because yeah. you'd be like, let me let me gauge that steel to see how much money you owe. Right. You know. Yeah, and it allowed him to make money enough. Sure, because they would writing say, on the side. <laughs> don't you think it's a more less expensive gauge than what you just got? Yeah, and he would say. Lay it on me, string bean. Yep. And he'd say, I'm going to knock off at noon today and go write some more stuff. Yeah. Like the, the, the museum website makes this case, like not just for Hawthorne, but later on for Melville too. Yeah. That both of them were able to pursue their writing careers because of the stability that the, um, working at customs gave them. Yeah. And they, they credit the customs agency for bringing Herman Melville out, out of an alcoholic depression following his failed attempt at a career in writing. Yeah, and I didn't even, I mean, this is a side note, but I didn't even realize that Melville was not popular until after his death. Yeah. Moby Dick didn't blow up till what, like 24 years later? Something like that. Yeah, everybody's like, this book stinks. I still haven't read it, have you? No. Have you ever read Bartleby the Scrivener, though? I made it through that. No. It's one of his good, better, better short stories. It's just weird. No, I don't think I've read any Melville. That's a good one. I've got, I've got Billy Budd, and I've read maybe a third of it. Oh. It's just so tough to read that guy's writing. Yeah, I think probably even back then it, it was tough. But you know, to be a, a century and a quarter, a century and a half removed yeah. from that type of you know thought and that type of language and, and writing, it's it's even harder. It's dense. Yeah, for a while there, I was kind of of the mind of like. Can I die without having read Moby Dick? And I kind of struggle with that. And then I was you like, you could be like just about everybody yeah. else. Yeah. I was like, no, I could totally, I'm fine. Yeah. So you're not going to do it, huh? <laughs> no, I'd rather see, you know, a movie I haven't seen mm-hmm. that's only takes a couple hours of yeah, my, you can my see like waning years that I have in front of me. 30 movies. Like Casablanca. I've still never seen that. Man. And I need to that see that you before I die. You should not die without seeing yeah, it. Yeah. And you should see train spotting. Sure, why not? The two classics. <laughs> right. Uh, I guess we need to talk about Prohibition a little bit, too, with customs and their history, because um, we had a great episode on Prohibition. Sure. What did they call it? The Noble Experiment? Yeah, I never called it that. <laughs> the Dumb Experiment. Uh, but this article points out that never in the history of customs has it been more dangerous yeah. to work for customs than during Prohibition. Yep. Like straight up gangster stuff, oh, who, they, were, who were much more well funded than customs was, right. and were they would whack you? Oh yeah, for getting in their way. Yep, it was also like a high time for bribery too. Customs agents were bribed like mad. Oh, I'm sure. <clears throat> and actually, there was like uh, there was a I don't know if it was a general accounting office or somebody did an investigation of um, customs and said. They we're, we haven't found any like systematic bribery going on, right? Or systemic bribery, but just the very presence of drugs in the United States, like in the massive quantities it's in, yeah. indicates that somebody's getting bribed somewhere. It's just impossible not to. Uh, we should do a show on rum runners too, sure. Because just this little piece tickled my fancy. Um, they would. Uh, they had much better boats and much faster boats than customs did. So they would bring this mothership, they called it, uh-huh. park it a few miles offshore where it was legal to be there. International water. Loaded with rum. Right. And then the speedboats would, um, or, you know, for the time, speedboats, uh, would just make runs out to this boat as fast as they could. Mm-hmm. And the customs people were like, we need speedy boats too. Right. Well, that's where speedboats came from was prohibition. Yep. Yep. And we, I think we already talked about the NASCAR thing with the fast cars. Came from Prohibition. So a lot of speed came out of Prohibition. Yes. And not the druggy kind. No. That came out of the Nazis in World War II. Oh, really? Oh, that's the rumor. Oh. I don't know. Well, uh, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and talk a bit more about what customs means today. Right. 
Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. Hey everybody, we're here to tell you about Viator, a tool that you can use to plan and book travel experiences around the world. That's right. The Viator app and website make it easy to explore 300,000 plus travel experiences so you can discover what's out there no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in. Yep, Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. That's right. You can also enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been on the experience that you're considering. Plus, you get free cancellation that helps you plan for the unexpected. Yeah, and Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know you'll get support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, Chuck. Yes. So we're back. We're talking customs. Um, and when when you talk customs like you're talking again about a the line of defense between unfettered trade across borders mm-hmm. and um not just with not just among uh major companies like importers and exporters and um you know manufacturers and and consumers and all that yeah. but also on an individual level which is why it takes so long to come into the states or another country um, because you have to go through customs, right? Their, their, yeah. their aim is to regulate trade no matter how large or how small. Yeah, and I, I kind of was surprised that they generated the kind of revenue they did because I was only thinking about schmoes like us. But big businesses, I, didn't, I mean, I was a dummy. I wasn't even thinking that they play obviously the biggest part oh, yeah. in revenue because uh, – they pay those big tariffs on millions and billions of dollars worth of goods yep. that they import, and um, it's tough to regulate that kind of stuff. You can't inspect every shipping container that no, comes in. No, so it's Although, very random. There is there is something called the Safe Ports Act that was passed in two thousand six, and it's it called for one hundred percent of containers that enter U.S. ports uh-huh. of any type to be scanned, either with X-rays oh, or wow like cat scans or something like that, but uh-huh. to be non-invasively scanned a hundred percent. And, um, it was supposed to be a hundred up to a hundred percent by 2012. Didn't happen. They gave it a two year extension. Didn't happen. Gave it another two year extension. Which would be now, right? Yeah. Still hasn't happened. Yeah. And, um, but they're ramping up though. Here's the thing. There's a big debate. Like a lot, like the National Retail Federation, I think is the big mouthpiece for manufacturers in this, in this, um, argument. They're saying, dudes, this is, you can't do it. Like if you do this, it will cease trade. It will wreck trade in the United States. And other people are saying like, well, you guys need to figure that out because we've got to have our port safe. We need to know everything that's coming in. Why would it wreck trade? Because, because it, it will just hold delays up. everything. Yes. The oh, delays okay. will, will like, um, I remember like when this first got proposed and they were trying to implement it. I think it was like an NPR piece about the port at Long Beach. And there was just yeah. like all this fruit 
just sitting there rotting offshore because there was a line. I remember that. To get, to get the stuff inspected. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. And so they're saying still they're pushing for this 100% mandate and, yeah. and other, like the, the people involved in importing and exporting and manufacturing and stuff are saying like, you can't do it. You just can't do it yet. There's got to yeah. be other ways. And some of the other ways they're talking about are like, um, uh, having like e-seals where like a container is verified to have, you know, X amount of weight or whatever. Right. And then it's On the sealed digitally. Yeah. And then um, when it enters a port, it goes through like an RFID scanner. Right. And the e-seal is verified intact somehow. Right. And uh, then you know or you have a pretty great idea that the, the container has not been messed with since it, its point of origin. That's an awesome idea. It is, but at the same time. You have to rely on the people at the point of origin not to be like, yeah, sure, there's the same amount of cocaine that we put in there at the at the port where we sent it from. So right. yeah, it weighs the same, but it's still cocaine that you don't want in the in the the country. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Depending on who you are. Well, then maybe the the country of export, their regulations need to be st- uh, stiffer, I guess. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and well, and there's an international proposal Called the um, safety of life at sea, I think, where it's mandating a hundred percent of all containers worldwide need to be weighed and verified before setting sail. Interesting. So I guess if you put those together, you could have a pretty, pretty legitimate international um, trade network. We it, should do one on shipping containers sometime because apparently that so. changed the world. Well, this sounds like it could be a big part of our platform for our run for the presidency in 2020. So are we in favor of the 100% mandate, or do we think it's insane? Well, I'd say we figured that out. Okay. But either way, that's going to be a big I, I like your RFID thing. Okay. I it's mean, not mine per se. No, sure it is. I just said <laughs> what somebody else came up with. As far as I'm concerned, it's yours. Thanks. Uh, so, all right. We were talking about business, of course, just then. But before you teased with the, the single individual, which is what most of us, unless you're an importer or exporter, mm-hmm. have had more uh, uh, experience with. Sure. So what happens is you come into the United States, or, or any country, yeah, but we're U.S. citizens, so oh. we'll come back home Okay. from abroad, Sure. which we just did after our wonderful trip to Ireland and the United Kingdom. That is true. And they count on you um, just as, the, as though they can't inspect every shipping container. They can't investigate... Uh, each of our individual shipping containers, which mm-hmm. is our body mm-hmm. and our suitcases. Yeah. So they count on you to honestly declare, say, I declare <laughs> that I bought. I'm not going to pay a lot for this <laughs> muffler. <laughs> that I bought, uh, uh, in, in France. I bought my daughter a little backpack. I think it's ugly, but she likes it. And, uh, I bought my mother a tea towel at Kew Gardens. Which I just think it's gross. And that's it. That's all we bought. It was all. 45 American dollars, and I'm going to write this down on a piece of paper and hand it to you and take my word for it. Yes, and we should talk about this, Chuck. Um, I found a great explainer from Mental Floss that really breaks down yeah. the the procedure and what the expectations of when you, the individual traveler entering the United States, are expected to say to customs, right? Yes. So $45. Surely you can just be like, who cares about a tea towel and a backpack that my daughter's using yeah. that's just luggage now. So anyway, um, you, you would think, obviously, you don't have to say anything about this, right? It's $45. Well, if you're a dummy. Yes. Supposedly, not only are you supposed to declare this and write down the value of what you think it is, um, or what you think the value is, or the actual value based on the receipt, um, you, if Chuck, you, you take... Your daughter's backpack, now that you've bought it and already brought it into the country, Mm -hmm. if you take it back out and like one of the straps comes off and you get it fixed abroad, you have to write down that you got your daughter's backpack fixed abroad and how much that cost you. Yeah, or if like, uh, boy, I've been loading up on pastries in Paris. Mm -hmm. I need to have my pants let out an inch. Yeah. Supposedly, you have to cover that and claim your New, larger pants. Anything you buy, inherit, or have repaired abroad. Or altered. Yep. yep. You have to pay, 
you have to declare. Right. You don't necessarily have to pay a duty on it, though, and that's that's um, where the exemptions come in. Yeah, and uh, it varies from country to country. In the United States, what is it, $800? It depends on where you are. 800 bucks is uh, typical, but it can go up to 1600 bucks if you're in an insular possession like Guam, American Samoa, or the U.S. Virgin Islands. Right. You can buy $1,600 worth of stuff and get bring it in duty-free. Or if you're married, you can declare as a family, mm-hmm. and each individual gets that allotment, correct? Right. So if you have something that's like $1,200, and Emily's bringing in something that's like $400, you can combine the two and both jointly uh, com- j- jointly declare them for, for $1,600. You can right. combine your exemptions. But let me say that on vacation, you've never bought anything for $1,000 <laughs> except food and wine. Yeah. And that's a cumulative amount. Right. Nothing Maybe an exotic lizard, but that's a whole other bag. Yeah, but, you know, we, there was a good rate going on those. Right. Or bush meat. Like, it's almost cheaper to buy it than not buy it. Oh, abroad? Sure. The what lizard? are you going to do? Buy one here? <laughs> Get ripped off? Uh, I remember my, I might have said this one before. My friend Andrew one time, his old uh, grandmother was talking about how it's cheaper to go on a cruise than to just stay in New York. So she cruised all the time. Is that right? She was like, yo, it's cheaper to go on the cruise. I don't know if that's true, but... For her it was. Yeah. Or at least she said it was. I you... thought it was very quaint and funny, at least. Yeah, um, you mean I went on a cruise and there was a, a legendary woman on there who'd been on... We went in like May. Oh, she lived there? And there's there. a woman who'd been on since like December. Wow. She just kept like signing up for the next cruise, stayed on the boat the whole time and was just having the time of her life. Crazy. We never saw her, though. I think they just use that to be like, yeah, don't you want to sign up for the next one? <laughs> and then when you say no, they, they don't speak to you for the rest of the, the cruise. <laughs> That'd be great, actually. Don't bother me. Yeah. Leave me alone. Uh, where else? Um, there are different growth programs in, in certain countries like uh, the Caribbean and uh, Sub-Saharan Africa where you can bring back more duty-free items. Mm-hmm. So I guess just trying to encourage more trade mm-hmm. with those places. Right. Which makes sense. Yeah. So you have an exemption up to 800 bucks. And after that, after the 800 bucks, um, you have to start paying duty on stuff, right? Duty. And obviously if you go over by a hundred dollars, you're going to be, you're going to get hit hard. No. What, what, what you, no. Not the case. Oh, okay. I thought you were being serious. No. No, duty's still not that much. It's nothing. So if you, if you, I think a th- the first thousand dollars after your exemption. So you would have to, you would have to spend eighteen hundred dollars on stuff that you're bringing back in. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's still just three percent. Yeah. So if you're trying to like. So what is that? Thirty bucks on a thousand dollars worth of of stuff? Yeah. If you if you bought a cu- things for a couple hundred dollars and you're trying to sneak it in there to avoid duty, uh-huh. you're just being foolish. You're you're a dummy. Yeah. It's like a few dollars, right, on and, that level. And the Mental Floss article actually makes it the point that um, you won't even necessarily be charged that extra additional duty because that requires paperwork, right? That the customs officer has to fill out to collect. You know, five or ten bucks from you. Yeah, they're probably just gonna be like, just keep it, go. Right, go if home. it's not a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. You don't have any bags of cocaine in pellets in your stomach, do you? And no, you go, no. no. Come on, <laughs> look at me. And they go, all right, we'll go through. And um, and what's funny is you're allowed uh, one liter of booze. Right. Two hundred cigarettes. Yep. And a hundred cigars. Yes. Which is a lot. It's a, a lot, lot of, cigar. of cigars. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um. Unless you're an infant or a baby. Right. You can have the $800 exemption as a baby, but it doesn't apply to tobacco or alcohol. Right. But so you're just allowed one liter per person through customs duty-free. And what's funny is everybody stops right there. Oh, well, I can't have more than one liter. Right. You can buy more than one liter, and if it's like 25 bucks, you're going to spend 75 extra cents on the duty. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and I just... uh I want to go on record as saying I hate duty-free shops. Why? Because they are awful. <laughs> it's just like it's like one giant, and especially in an international airport, mm-hmm. you're forced to walk through this giant cosmetics assault of cosmetics and and perfumey scents. Yeah. And you know me and my smells. Like I oh, start yeah. sneezing walking through there, I'll and it's and it. it's all just. I mean, duty. 
I, I was looking up. I was like, how much of a deal is this? And it really depends on what you're getting. Well, with with alcohol and tobacco, especially, it's usually a much better deal. Well, it's it depends on where you are and what you're buying. Like I looked up um, this one site that compared a lot of airports and boozes, mm-hmm. and like this one booze, I don't even know what it was it was it was something uh, some Italian booze, Cristal. In like Germany, it was fifty percent cheaper. Oh, really? So very good deal. Right. But then I looked up Jack Daniels and. They listed 14 airports around the world, and it was no more than like $3 cheaper right. at any of them, or three euros. I think it's more like the, the thrill of buying some booze at an See, airport. I think or it's something. a big, that's what I think it is. It's just a big scam. You're like, ooh, duty free, everybody. Well, what's funny is, is if you, if you buy $1,000 worth of booze, yeah. um, you will get that first liter exempted, but then after that, you'll yeah. have to pay a duty on it, even if you bought it at the duty free airport. Right. Because duty-free, when it's a duty-free store, like they're saying, we don't have to pay duty on it. Right. We're going to pass the savings on to you. But if you're past your exemption, when you go into your home country, you have to pay duty. Right. Because the duty-free refers to the owners of the store. Yeah, they should be called duty-free for me. Right. And maybe for you, depending (laughs) on where you're at with your exemption. Yeah, which is a clunky thing to call an area (laughs) of the airport. Right. (laughs) Instead, they just call it Things Remembered. Well, in, uh, I didn't know this because I haven't been on a transatlantic flight in so many years, but they sell that junk on the plane. Oh, yeah. They were walking up and down the aisle uh, hawking know. watches. That I, I, that doesn't bother me as much as the credit card, pushing the credit cards. Yeah. Where they have like a seven-minute announcement yeah, yeah. about how they have this great credit card deal Ugh. and get it now and don't you want this? And then they send the people up the aisle like credit card credit card who wants a credit mm, card i just want to fly in peace yeah that's what and i want just you know just I, all i want to do is just fly on delta and wa- <laughs> listen to stuff you should know and watch internet roundup uh hey shout out to virgin atlantic though i had a good experience flying with them they're a partner of deltas i they, wouldn't expect anything less yeah it was very nice they don't nickel and dime you and i said that on the website no, they're pretty awesome or on the facebook the other day and someone uh, from the uk said what does nickel and dime you mean Shilling and tuppence. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Pence and farthings. Maybe. Um, no, I said it's a, I guess it's a strictly American term for like just charging you little bits for every little thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the pillows this much, the movies this much, the earphones oh, this yeah, much. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Like, you know, all the movies are free. They give you headphones, which I already had my own and give you an eye mask and a toothbrush and mm-hmm. it's all just very nice and civil. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be. And they'll put you in a sleeper hold until you fall asleep if you ask them to? Yeah, this lovely English gentleman put me in a sleeper. <laughs> it was hilarious. He said, nighty-night. <laughs> <laughs> you sleep now, mate. All right. Have we covered duty in its fullness? No, but we should probably take a break. All right. And we'll more duty after this. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. You know, true love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that, it's taking long walks together in the summer or gazing longingly into each other's eyes and watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. 
Well, the pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Uh, as everyone knows from listening to this show, we have pulled all of our dogs off the street that Emily and I have had over the years, either right off the street or through a local shelter and working with them. And they've all become valued family members. And we think they've appreciated it, too. Yeah, Chuck, there is a pedigree loyalty survey that found that 90% of first-time dog owners report having a dog improved at least one of their relationships, and 80% of first-time dog owners are overwhelmingly more likely to have made at least one new connection as a result of getting a dog. And 95% of all dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than they ever expected. Not a big surprise. That's true. We all know that adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime meaningful connection and real love can exist between a pet and a pet parent. You got that straight. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes. Opening your home to a dog can help open your heart. And Love at First Sight is closer than you think because it's available at your local dog shelter. Yeah, very important point. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive from June 7th to June 9th. And the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. That's right. So just visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. All right, Chuck, we're back. We're talking about duty. <laughs> I hate duty. Do you? No, I just hate the. I already went off on duty free. Yeah. It, it oh, just, I've got it a tip for like you. Though. A, it feels like just this that gross consumerism, like Black Friday. Oh yeah, no, People I know like, what you mean. Duty free. Let me buy booze and perfume. I know what you mean. The thing is, a, a smart traveler tip for you here: if you ever have a layover at an airport, yes, make your way, and it's especially if it's early morning or you had an overnight flight or whatever, uh-huh. make your way to the duty free section. Go to that cosmetic section and look for stuff like toner or under eye balm or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and brother, it is refreshing. Really? Yeah, they've got all the samples there, and it's like just stuff that will like make you feel human again. I like this. Just face a little spray. boost, just enough to get you where you're going. All right, back to duty. Um, well, here's a few things. Uh, I thought mental floss is always so great about. I want to. I, I want to point out, Chuck. Every single time one of us has said said duty, uh-huh. Jerry's like snickered. Already. <laughs> she has, yeah, because um, she thinks it's spelled D O O D Y. <laughs> um, mental floss is always so great about adding uh, fun little lists. To their articles. Yeah, listicles. Yeah. Well, this isn't quite a listicle, but they, they gave a few examples of um, some weird regulations. And they have one on absinthe. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you can bring absinthe back, but it has to be, it cannot have the ingredient, how do you pronounce that? Uh, T-H-U-J-O-N-E. Thujone? Th- yeah, sure. Thujone? Thujone? I don't know what the country origin is. I didn't even know that was in there. I thought wormwood was the active ingredient. Well, this may, it may not be the active ingredient. I don't know. But uh, and, and then custom says, the term absinthe cannot be the brand name and it cannot stand alone on the label. The actual word absinthe and, this one's hysterical, mm-hmm. the artwork cannot project images of hallucinogenic, psychotropic, or mind-altering effects. <laughs> Right. Like it can't have on the bottle like a guy going, whoa. Right. It can't be wowie zowie brand absinthe. Yeah. Which, of course, yeah, that would be psychedelic. Sure. Um, Everybody knows wowie zowie means. Oh, I thought you were going to say wavy gravy. That's what I was thinking. That one, that would work too. Uh, what else? Um, oh, oh, you can't, as of 2000, the year 2000, you can't bring in anything made of dog or cat fur. Awesome. Yeah, I can't believe that this is a law that had to be passed. Well, in other countries, they do different things with dogs and cats, you know? So you can't, you if you have a dog skin cap, you better prepare to have that thing confiscated at the border. Yeah, and spanked by me. Uh, <laughs> you just hang out at customs. I do. <laughs> Bring them over here. Yeah. Uh, this one is interesting. Um, Haitian animal hide drums. Mm-hmm. From uh, animal skin, you can't take it back because of uh, anthrax. And remember our own Stuff You Should Know TV show had a subplot in an episode about a disease from a drum brought back by Fake Jerry. That's right. Played by Lucy Wainwright. Yes. She brought back a drum that had 
Was it anthrax? Uh, was it necrotizing fasciitis? Is that what that one was? Yeah, it had some disease on the drum head, mm-hmm. but apparently, and we wrote this episode, so I guess we got it from the fact that it's a real thing. Yeah. I just don't remember. I don't either. I don't even recall our TV show. I don't either. I'd like to forget. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Chuck. Yes. We haven't really talked about the big thing that, that, um, customs is known for not just regulating trade and shipping containers and all that but thwarting smugglers right yes because there's uh you talked a little bit about rum runners and that kind of thing still goes on there's yeah. speedboat chases yeah um they can search you in an airport sure yeah that's that's the thing about customs is they do not have to have a warrant to search you nope. they don't even have to have probable cause no nope, they can just they say, can say take everything out yeah I, I don't like what your hair looks like. I think you look like a drug smuggler. Yeah, and come into this room and take your clothes off. And there's like a storied um, history, I guess, of of customs agents like just looking at somebody and being like, "That guy's a drug mule," and the person turns out to be a major drug mule. Yeah, and they they tried. I read this article in Los Angeles Times. I can't remember what it's called, but um, it it was about how. The customs agency is trying to quantify that or turn it into like a seminar. Right. Like take these decades of experience and intuition and figure out how to, yeah, how to sniff somebody off the case. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, and apparently they've turned to behavioral science and really like are, are there, there's courses that they, they teach, um, customs and border patrol, um, or border protection, uh, how to, suss out lying or deception how to racially profile probably yeah um but i think it's the in this particular so it's a different course right this one is um they say uh well if somebody you know uh, has a hat or a newspaper or right. something like that they might put it between you and them because they're putting up a barrier because oh, yeah. they're, they're deceiving like they, the like, micro expressions right and- micro expressions body language um uh, speech patterns. Right. Uh, like, I, I guess if you, if you have a very pat, streamlined answer of where you were abroad. Right. That's going to raise a flag. Interesting. If you are, if you're you know, smooth. kind of back, yeah, if you're too smooth, that's way, way more unusual than somebody being like, well, also, you know, I mean, I went to Canada and I wasn't going to go to Canada, but one of my friends <laughs> said, let's go to Canada. So we went, but, yeah. you know, we were just going to hang out and, in, in 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 New York, right? That's, so that's how why I'm here. Yeah, that's step over here. No, that's go oh. on through. Oh, it is. You're you're such an obvious idiot. You couldn't possibly be trusted with a bunch. I of I thought drugs. there was a middle ground. If you're like, uh, I just went to Montreal. Why do you ask? Right. Then right. they they would say, take they'd those, say, take Mr. Those Clark, pants off. You clearly have a suitcase full of Fabergé eggs. What do you have in those shorts? <laughs> uh, but you were uh, talking about drugs, which is which is the big thing. Um. And again, I think you said that the DEA finds its origins in customs, right? That's right. And they everyone works in concert today. Uh, the Customs Service will work with the DEA and the Coast Guard and Immigration and Naturalization uh, because they all want to keep the drugs out. So like the Customs Service will have a, a plane, one of those radar planes that flies very high above looking at boats. And then they'll see a boat that looks shady and they'll call down to let's like the Coast Guard. Or maybe their own office who calls the Coast Guard. They say, go out and let's see what's going on on that boat. Yeah. And the, co- what I think, the description of this is hilarious. They basically just chase them in a boat until the guys decide to stop. What else are you going to do? And then they board the boat and say, put up your, your hands. <laughs> yeah. And they do. Uh, if they have a plane, they will get a couple of things going on them. A jet plane to track from way behind and then a Black Hawk helicopter. All right. To follow right behind the plane, then they don't see him. Yeah, behind and beneath. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, yeah, you can't see. And I was thinking about them, like, yeah, there's no side view mirrors yeah. on a plane. It's just hysterical to think about a drug plane just flying along, like, this yeah. is great. Dun, there's a bl- dun, dun, Black Hawk dun, helicopter dun, dun, right dun, below dun. them. Right. Just like, all right, suckers, just go ahead and land and then we'll, we'll introduce ourselves. Right. And that's what they do. Yep. And some people just say, I'll take my chances yeah. walking through an airport with cocaine taped to my body. These are the people that make for the best um, crazy stuff smuggled through uh, customs or crazy ways to smuggle drugs. But I wonder how many, like, 
you hear about it on the news when someone gets caught. Right. People get away with it a lot, I bet. Right, because uh, that's what they're doing. They're playing the odds. That you're just not going to get sniffed out. No, right, exactly. Um, and I think it's it's probably exceedingly difficult these days to make it through. Yeah. Especially if you don't actually have it physically deposited inside your body. Right. Because of the, not just the drug dogs, but they have, um, they have devices that can smell air. Essentially, it's a, it's a sniffing device. Yes. Um, and it, it, it figures out what molecules are floating around the air. And if it's like, oh, well, this is cocaine, uh, there's probably cocaine in that person's suitcase or whatever. Yeah. An electro vacuum is what that's called. Right. Amazing. It's difficult to get around that. Difficult to get around a dog. Plus, yeah. also, you're also being scrutinized by the customs agent himself or herself. So, it, I would imagine it's very tough to get it through unless you've ingested it. And some people have. There's a dude who got oh, yeah. caught in, I think, Miami or Fort Lauderdale in 2015. He'd swallowed a hundred and I think 48 pellets of coke. Jeez. Three pounds. He had it in his stomach. That's so dangerous. And another woman got busted with three pounds in her breasts. I remember that as one. As breast implants. Crazy. So you'll still get busted, but I think you make a good point. I, I, I really wonder what the estimate is yeah. for how many people who actually do make it through yeah. unmolested. Yeah. Uh, here was our deal coming back in this time. It was way easier and quicker than I thought. Like we filled out the little customs card on the plane. They didn't even ask her that. Yeah, I we didn't walked even up fill and they just out. they asked for a couple of questions, like what did you bring in? And we said, you know, a few gifts. How much was it worth? You know, eighty dollars. Right. And they said, all right, welcome back. And I was like, is that it? Walk through to the luggage, mm-hmm. and I thought there would be a more uh, heavily scrutinized process after that or something. Yeah. And there wasn't. There were a couple of beagles, very cute, drug sniffing beagles. Sure. And uh, they were walking around, and that was it. And then we got our stuff and left. Well, your bags had already, I'm sure, been x-rayed and crazy, yeah. like exposed to some other stuff. Yeah. Um. And and it's not just like at the airport, at at ports, like the the border between Mexico and the United States. Yeah. They have like truck size x-rays. Yeah. You that they make drive semis your car. drive through. That's and crazy. That you they x-ray them. Um, and that's part of that 100% initiative. They, they want to be able to do that to 100% of everything, all containers coming in the United States, like I said. Or they have, uh, x-ray rooms, like in Total Recall, where you just walk everyone through this yeah. room. Right. And they look for weird bulges. Right. Um, or I mean, hollow, empty spots that shouldn't be there. You still haven't seen Spinal Tap, have you? I have. Oh, you did? Yeah, but I don't remember a lot of it. When uh, the bass player, uh, Derek Smalls, played by Harry Shearer, uh-huh. he's going through and he has metal on him and they have the uh, the metal wand right. and it's going off every time they pass over his, his crotch, his groin area. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And finally, he takes a, he had a, uh, a cucumber wrapped in tinfoil <laughs> stuffed down his pants. <laughs> Why would it be wrapped in tinfoil? Well, that's just part of the greatness of that joke i think that is a good joke you know yeah it was very funny um (laughs) uh what else Uh, one of the things that got me which is pretty smart so um they might take a dog on a plane and like after it's deboarded yeah and have the dog sniff around yeah uh, because they may miss it as you're walking past but if you've been sitting on a plane for eight hours that drug smell is going to get into the seat. <laughs> yeah, and if the, farting cocaine smells. Exactly. Into that seat. And if that dog sniffs that, they'll say, well, who was in 13B? And they'll say, oh, well, Josh Clark was. You're in the duty-free shop thinking, like, I just got away Home with free. it. Home free. <laughs> I'm putting some moisturizer on my face, thinking about all the money I'm going to have to buy moisturizer with. And... uh then yeah, you they a come beagle. get me. Yeah, yeah. Next thing I know, there's a beagle sitting down next to me, looking up, <laughs> and I go, "Uh oh." Uh, you know what you do though? You just spray some rose water in the beagle's face real quick. <laughs> and run and run and make a cap out of its fur. Oh, why'd you have to go there? Uh, another thing that they're looking for is cash money. 
Um, oh yeah, laundering money and getting it out of the country is is a big deal. Yeah, the uh, customs sees something like fifty three million dollars in bulk currency. Yeah, bulk cash. I think what is it, ten grand that you have to declare coming back into the U.S. Yeah, anything anything over, over that. that? Mm-hmm. And you, they're not gonna. You can take as much in and out as you want. Yeah, but you have to declare it because they want to keep track of that kind of stuff. Because yeah, I don't know if we said. Um, in addition to goods being imported and exported, a country, especially like a, a centralized um, federal government, wants to know uh, where its arms are going. Sure. They want to keep a tight tight uh, control of that and where its money's going because you can destabilize a country with both of those things. Yeah. And so they try to keep a pretty good eye on where it's going and, and where it's coming from. Not not just in the that it, it could destabilize the government, but they want a piece of it. Yeah. They want to tax that stuff. Yep. You know. So um, yeah, one of the easiest ways to launder money is to just smuggle it from one country to another. Smuggle it out of the U.S. to a country that's not really paying nearly as much attention. Bam! You got some legitimate funds. Yep. And we did a episode of money laundering, correct? Yes, we did. And uh, we did one on police dogs. Yeah. Our stank is all over this thing. It is. Uh, and then finally, one of the things that um, is a big deal, if you've ever traveled in and out of California, let's say, as one example, um, they actually have a produce um, stop. Yeah. Where you're stopped in your car and they say, do you have any uh, produce on you, any vegetables, any plants? Just a cucumber with tinfoil wrapped <laughs> around it. Uh, these are actually legal goods, but they are prohibited in certain areas because of uh, infestations of various pests. And notably in California in the 1980s, a couple of things happened. The 1980s was a bad decade for the medfly in California. Mm. Um, early on in the early 80s, it was a bad infestation. And uh, then Governor Jerry Brown had a series of missteps on whether or not to spray um, the state uh, with this gross stuff that would kill the flies, uh-huh. but also have bad effects in the environment. Okay. And he was an environmentalist, and it was, I think, I can't remember, I think he eventually did spray, but waited too long and cost the state a lot of money, but he also angered the environmentalists. Jello Biafra was like, idiot. Probably. I mean, there was, uh, it may have been a no-win situation. Um, and I'm sure some Californians will have a better memory of this than me. Um, but supposedly in the late 80s, there was one piece of bad fruit that caused a big medfly outbreak. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up, in 1989, there was a an intentional, supposedly eco-terrorist attack. Oh, yeah? Where a group called the Breeders unleashed medflies in response, in retaliation against all the spraying. Wow. Which doesn't make any sense, because that would only mean they'd have to spray more. You yeah, know? no, that's not well, very sensible. They didn't really think it through. But I think that they eventually said... I don't think this is real. I think this was a hoax letter, but we also can't explain the concentration of some of these outbreaks, Mm -hmm. and it perhaps may have been intentional. Who knows? Wow. Yeah, eco-terrorism. Yeah, that's pretty surprising. But the idea that the first one, though, was just completely accidental. It was one bad piece of fruit that one traveler brought Supposedly, I couldn't find, like, uh, Mango Zero. (laughs) That started it, and I looked around a bunch, but I couldn't find like verification on that. Huh. Interesting though. Um, but yeah, H- Hawaii's really big on that too. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And then um, I don't know if you remember, but last year, I think in May of 2015, Johnny Depp caused a huge stink. He and Amber Heard by opening his mouth. <laughs> were, <laughs> and he breathing. and Amber Heard were um, like they were in Australia for I think a premiere of one of those Pirates of the Caribbean things, Ugh. and. Um, like they just brought their dogs with them on a private jet. Oh yeah, without I remember that. Sending them through quarantine sure. caused a huge stink, and rightfully so. Yeah, he's like just that. the arrogance. Yeah. And Amber Heard is Amber Heard. You know, like sure. I think both of them are just like we don't have to deal. We'll just bring the dogs. Yeah. Who cares? It's, who cares about the stupid quarantine law? Yeah. This uh, continent's just an island. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It's uh, what do they call that? Privilege. Yes. Rules don't apply to Entitlement. Yeah, entitlement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we just shame them. Well, good. Yeah. Johnny Depp doesn't listen to this. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, finally, I already said finally, uh, 
cultural artifacts are regulated, although fine art supposedly is not subject to tariffs. Is that right? Right. And duty. No, and they're big into cultural artifacts because um, so much of it is looted. Yeah. Uh, I, su- I should say illegitimately looted. All those things are looted. Yeah. Um, but ICE, apparently, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, is big in cultural artifacts repri- repatriation. Right. And there's a difference between ICE and Customs and Border Patrol or Border Protection. Yeah. Apparently, Customs and Border Protection um, staffs the borders. They protect the borders. And then ICE, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, uh, carries out law enforcement that has to do with customs and immigration within the United States. Gotcha. So once you make it through, once you make it past customs and border protection, you still have to deal with ICE coming and finding, you know, like kicking down your door. Right. And being like, give us back that Mesopotamian tablet. And they say, who are you? And they say, we're ICE. And they, they, yeah. Yeah. And it's played by The Rock. I imagine uh, the guy from The Shield as oh. ICE. The, the bald dude? Yeah. I never saw that. I heard it was good, though. Great show. Yeah? Yeah, it was definitely um, uh, overshadowed by The Wire, because they both came out at about the same yeah, time. Yeah, and The Wire was and so great. And it's just not a fair comparison. They're just yeah. two different shows. But it was nuts, man. Like, there were several episodes that were like episode four, the first season of True Detective. Just right. insane from beginning to end, you know? Yeah, I think I realized after our talk when I said I didn't watch, um, was it NYPD Blue? Mm-hmm. I think I no, realized. No, you said Law and Order. Yeah, Law and Order. I have an aversion to co-op shows. Oh yeah, I think so. Huh. Like I watched The Wire and I watched Hill Street Blues. Okay. In the eighties, I never watched that. Ooh, I love that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is funny because it wasn't like a kid show for twelve-year-old kids. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I, I don't think I've watched a whole lot of. Like I watched Dexter some, but that wasn't exactly. Yeah, that's more of a serial killer show than a cop show. Yeah, and it got really or bad. Or a forensic show. Man, off the rails is. Yeah, but yeah, I don't watch a lot of cop shows. Huh. I did watch True Detective season one. That kind of counts. That too. went off the rails too. What for season two? For season one, like the last couple episodes. Oh, uh, yeah, it was kind of a letdown. Yeah. Whatever. Who cares, right? Or it went on the rails. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Who cares? It's TV. It's not important. And we can say that because we had a TV show. Yeah. It really didn't change our lives in any way. (laughs) (laughs) You got anything else? Nope. So that's customs. If you want to know more about it, there is plenty more to know. You can type that word in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to say this is uh, something to open all of our eyes. Uh, hey guys, as a Canadian, I was happy to spend uh, one long walk recently listening to the mysterious feet washing up on the shores of B.C., British Columbia. You said that they have a shockingly large number of missing persons cases, and uh, while that's true, you guys expressed surprise and threw out a few humorous suggestions on why, but there's one concrete factor that really contributes to the high rate of missing individuals. It doesn't get a lot of airtime internationally, but only recently became newsworthy within Canada even. Uh, disappearance and murder of native and indigenous women who live in the province. Have you heard of this? Yeah, a couple of people emailed in right after that first oh, really? one came out. Yeah, Very sad. Yeah. Uh, she said, no one likes to talk about it, it seems. Uh, one, our last prime minister even straight up said in an interview that missing and murdered native women were not a priority for the government. Jeez. Uh, uh, no. As far as I can see, uh, the why is pretty clear. It's happening and it's allowed to happen because of sexism and more importantly, racism. Uh, you two are really great at making sure you challenge sexism whenever you can. And I commend you for that. I thought it was a, a missed opportunity, though, to discuss racism uh, and open it up to a similar discourse. Um, and I emailed her back. And I was like, well, I didn't know about this. Yeah, right. I to- we totally would have. Uh, thank you so much for continuing to do the show. When people ask why I love it so much, I simply tell them that your camaraderie and ease makes me feel like I know you both. Uh, it's always fun to listen uh, to things explained by your friends. And that is Emily Owens, currently in Kuala Lumpur, but of Montreal. Of Montreal, huh? Canada. And she, uh, by the way, there's follow-up on this, an article from Media Smarts um, called Media Portrayals. Well, this is the URL, at least. Just Google um, Media Smarts and Missing and Murdered Aboriginal Women. 
And then she said, there's also a great documentary called Highway of Tears, but heads up, will make you feel crappy for days. Let's just do one on that. Yeah, we should. She didn't say crappy either. She said cruddy? (laughs) Yeah, she said cruddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Emily. We appreciate that. And uh, keep an ear out for an episode on that sometime down the road. Totes. Mm. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. Um, you can hang out with me, too, on Twitter at Josh Um Clark. You can hang out with us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Yeah, and I got my own little personal public figure page now. Charles W. Chuck Bryant is a lot of fun. Nice. Like the uh, the original Stuff You Should Know fans are hanging out there. Oh, yeah, that's the place to be. It is. Uh, you can uh, send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours, too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater.